Hello and welcome to the Hammer and Tulip podcast with me, Graham Phillips and Gareth Dix. How are you doing, Gareth? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, a beautiful day. And we're recording this during the daytime for those of you listening later on. But yeah, it's a lovely day and it's great to be able to come back and do this part three. This is the final part, isn't it, of the uh, revival series, little mini series we've been doing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Re- really um, been enjoying this this conversation about revival, and um, today's the the final uh, in- insertion of that series. We're going to be talking today about what it means to be a vessel for revival. What is a vessel for revival? Um, I think, you know, on this podcast, The Hammer and Tulip, just to reiterate maybe for those who are new to The Hammer and Tulip podcast, this podcast is all about trying to get back, I think, to as close a version of true biblical spirit-filled Christianity as we oh, can man. get. It's, it's recognizing uh, that each of us is coming to this conversation with lenses of tradition on um you know all of us have those we we all have biblical beliefs that are sometimes uh diluted by traditions by things that we've just picked up along the way and so on hammer and tulip our heart really is to just try and as best we can to unmix our walk with jesus and try and get back to the root of what this is all about, what Christianity is about, what following Jesus is all about. So getting back to the root of scripture, it's called Hammer and Tulip, of course, the hammer of Martin Luther, which hey. uh, just over 500 years ago, famously nailed the 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. And uh, of course the tulip, which stands for the uh, the doctrines of grace, the doctrines of grace, the uh, reformed doctrines of grace that really sort of map out the, the gospel. And so it's trying to do, in a sense, what what these men did under the influence of the Holy Spirit, which was to, you know, they rose up in a time when the church was really apostate, you know, and these men rose up and were used as vessels of revival uh, by God to call the church back to Christ, to call the church back to the word of God. And so in our small part, uh, we, we want to be trying to do the same. And so we've been touching on this subject of revival um, because we believe that revival, of course, is um, is something we need today. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. And, and in every generation, there is a cry, isn't there, for revival? There's a cry for God to move. And, and I think today, you know, it, it is desperate. We need a move of God like I've never known. And so we wanted to touch on this series about revival. And um, today we're, we're really touching on revival in a more personal sense, uh, what it means to be a, a vessel, a vessel of revival. Um, so, Gareth, Walk us through this term, a vessel for revival. Um, what does that speak to you of? I think really it's, it's I, I remember that she borrowed the term from uh, Keith Malkinson, uh, preached a, a title of the sermon was A Vessel for Revival, preaching about Gideon and how Gideon just had nothing to offer God. In fact, he was he was hiding uh, and, and there was a, almost a, just like a cowardice and, and scared or whatever. And God picks him out and uses him as someone who's got nothing nothing to offer and and I, I believe that really the heart of being a vessel for revival is is 
starting off with of kind of an emptying of ourselves, recognizing we've got nothing to offer on our own, in our own skill or merit or anything else, but actually longing for God. Blessed are the poor in spirit and recognizing that we need God and that the hunger for God is that we hunger for him ourselves. And as we hunger for God, so we are crying out for others and we're crying out for the lost. And I think there's just this... this I suppose emptiness and this, it's almost kind of like a bankruptcy, is it like just knowing I, I, I'm, I'm empty, I have nothing to offer myself, but I want to empty myself of, of all of my own desires, all of my ambitions, all of the things of my own selfishness and becoming more like Christ. And really at the heart of it is the, the desire, first of all, to, to glorify God, to be glorifying to God, to dying to self. And it is that whole wrestle for Christians, isn't it, to die to self? And we all wrestle with that. And, and every now and then, as we were just dis, uh, discussing before we hit record, you know, there's all these things in our own lives where, and as pastors, whatever, hopes, aspirations, dreams, frustrations, whatever. But there comes a point where we recognize, no, it's what does God want for me? And being content with what God wants in our lives. Um, but also being willing to be used by God in the way that he wants to use us. And I'll give you an example from my own personal life. It's a very painful moment. And you know my story of kind of trying to plant a church didn't happen. And I was going for a long prayer walk and I was just praying and asking, Lord, why have you sent me to a place where all everything seems to have failed? And I, I did really feel a conviction that God was saying to me, you thought you were coming here to reap, but I sent you here to sow. I, I mm. sent you here to sow some seed. And it's down to God to call us to do what he wants us to do. And so that kind of willingness to be used by God, how he wants to use us, not how we think we should be used. I think that's something that's passed as we, I know I wrestle with that. And I think it's also the, the, the confidence in, in the power of God, the confidence in the gospel and the Holy Spirit. That are we willing to, to pray and devote ourselves to prayer? Are we willing to open our mouths and, and share the gospel? So I think really a, a vessel for revival is, am I as a person willing to uh, step into being all those things that, that I should be? Am I willing to be completely all out for Christ and, and to just sort of shed I always think of this idea of shedding skin as it were kind of shedding old skin kind of getting rid of all of that which is kind of what makes me me in a sort of worldly sense and and being more and more saturated with with Christ and that is something that is an ongoing process but I I think this is very much about being very serious about being changed by God Mm, yeah I think it it's sort of like I say comes down to the personal level doesn't it because I think it was reading a great book on revival by A.W. Tozer. Um, I'm not sure if it's still in print majorly, but it's called Out of the Rut and Into Revival. Um, and it's really, really great book. But basically, he talks a lot about changing the church. Um, how does the church as a whole come out of a spiritual rut, as he spoke about it in his day, and into this place of revival? And the bottom line is, he said, is you don't change an institution um, by trying to change the institution. You change the institution yeah. of the church by changing individuals. And so the church, the church we have so to true. remember, though it's the body of Christ in its entirety, it's actually made up of individuals, of um, living stones, as, as Peter yeah. puts it. And so you change the church by changing those individual constituent parts, by changing people and if we can understand that each of us is 
a vessel to be filled or is a vessel that is carrying something now we ask the question well what is it that i'm carrying like what yeah. is this this vessel of my flesh this vessel of my being filled with and then if we can change that or yeah be filled more with the things of god or whatever it might be then we can make a small church sorry you can make a small change yeah to the church you know our local church expression and by you know by extension the the, the national church you know but it starts at that level of the individual and so the bible does talk about people as being vessels i was reading second timothy um and I remember getting this scripture in a prophetic word from someone a few years ago. It really, really touched me. It's Second Timothy two twenty to twenty six, and it says, "Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honourable use, some for dishonourable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a ves- vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house." ready for every good work so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord from a pure heart have nothing to do with foolish ignorant controversies you know that they breed quarrels and the lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snares of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now, firstly, it's it's worth noting that Timothy is talking about Christians here. Yeah. He's talking about Christians. This is in the great house. What's the house? The house of God. Okay. There are vessels. So all vessels, whether for honorable or dishonorable, are Christians. And so yeah, <laughs> that's worth pointing out. He's not talking about Christians and non-Christians here. He's talking about those who are in the church, but there are some in the church that are, are in a sense, wooden vessels. They are vessels for dishonorable use, although yep. they are still useful, okay? And he's saying to Christians, if you cleanse yourself from these works, from these, you know, these things that you're doing, youthful passions and pursue righteousness, then actually you can transform yourself into a vessel that is for honorable use and that should be i think timothy sorry that i think um paul is saying here is an aim for all christians isn't it it's something that we want to be going after even as christians is recognizing hey like i'm still on a journey of sanctification um what is this vessel filled with you know if i'm still pursuing lusts of the flesh if i'm still pursuing worldly things then actually I'm not making myself available for honourable use in the house of God. That's very good, yeah. That's so true. Right? So my aim, even as a Christian, is to question what is this vessel full of? And can I lay aside these things in order to be used of God for an honourable use uh, in his kingdom in my days? So I think that's really key. I think that's brilliantly Um, put. That's brilliantly put. Really well put. You were talking earlier about um, one John as well, weren't you? That's right. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I felt this was, this was key as well because we we're kind of going to look at the, the holiness of God. So a vessel for honourable use, but moving into a vessel for revival is going to be someone who is concerned about holiness. 
Um, and I'll go and talk in about how that affects the church in a moment, the wider church. But firstly, it says in 1 John 1 verse 5, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him whilst we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there is the, the walking in fellowship with God and, and the concern for holiness. And I, I love this, this quote by the Puritan Stephen Sharnock, and this is from his, uh, his kind of theology, the existence and attributes of God. And he says, it is a contradiction for him to be God and to have any darkness mixed with life, light. To deny his purity makes him no God. He that says God is not holy speaks much worse than if he said there is no God at all. I mean, this kind of speaks into the whole idea of, well, God's more concerned about social justice than he is about morality. Actually, no, he's concerned about both because there's no, there's no darkness in him. He's perfectly light. And, and Stephen Sharnock goes on to say, where do we read of the angels crying out eternal or faithful Lord of hosts? But we do hear them saying, holy, holy, holy. God swears by his holiness. His holiness is a pledge for the assurance of his promises. Power is his hand, eternity his duration, but holiness is his beauty. And I, I think this is, this is really key for all of us as Christians and obviously for the church, but as individuals, that everything begins and ends with the holiness of God. That mm. you know, when, he, when he reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, take your sandals off, you are standing on holy ground. I remember when I first went to explore ordination, uh, the lady who's the what's known as the director of ordinance in the Church of England, they uh, explore calling uh, to, to ordain ministry. And this really godly lady uh, said to me, understand this, you're on holy ground now. And I think that is so important for us to, to remember, first of all, that we, we are wanting to honor God we're wanting to God says in Leviticus you shall be holy to me for I the Lord am holy and have separated you from the people you should be mine so there's a, a call to holiness the, the, the prophet Isaiah woe is me I'm ruined or undone as other translations have mm. it because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the Lord the Lord of hosts so I think, first of all, as individuals, there has to be a desire for personal holiness. It has to be a, you know, as, as often the, we keep talking about this podcast, but the Puritans mortifying sin. It, it's a sense of, I do not tolerate sin in my own life. Yeah. I, you know, I, I go to war with sin because, it, because just a small amount of sin can, can ruin my life and, and pull me away from God. So I think, firstly, individually, but I think I want to say a little bit more about the church because I think there'll be people listening to this podcast and I don't know what your church background is or what church you currently attend. And, and we've often wanted to try and help and advise people as to what kind of church you should be attending. But I would say that any true church is always going to prioritize the holiness of God. The holiness of God is going to be priority number one in a true church. And a church that prioritizes the holiness of God. You'll, you'll see there's four things that you'll really see as a result of prioritizing the holiness of God. The first is a high view of scripture. A, a church that really puts the holiness of God first is going to have a high view of scripture. They won't adapt it and they won't uh, sort of leave, it, leave out certain parts to avoid confrontation or offending people. There's going to be a we deal with the difficult parts of scripture and, and let it uh, you know, agitate and move us and convict us. 
So there's this high view of scripture. But you'll also see in a, in a true church that there's a, a clear call to repentance. Because we're concerned about the holiness of God, that the call to repentance will be preached clearly. And it, it's not just for unbelievers to repent and believe, but it's Christians to be repenting of sin. There'll be this constant call to repent of things and to, and to, to follow Christ faithfully. They'll also prioritise prayer. There'll be this hunger for prayer. They'll be, they'll be prayerful. There'll be a people who want to spend time in prayer and want to spend time with God. And also, fourthly, the worship will be glorifying to God. We've already covered this in podcasts and things like pragmatism, whatever we've talked about, where the worship becomes attractional. And it's, the idea is to attract non-Christians in. No, 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 that's not biblical worship. It just isn't. Mm. And we've you know kind of discussed that quite a bit. But a church that is concerned about the holiness of God is concerned to worship God in a way that glorifies him, to give God the glory and the worship that he desires and, and worship in a, in a manner that's faithful to him. And so I think that is that's the thing the first thing that we see as well and i think also with the holiness there's the concern for doctrine i mean we've already explained this but i just want to quote this one quote from lloyd jones dr mark lloyd jones and he says it is not surprising that the cross has been discounted by modern theologians it's because they've started with the love of god without his holiness it's because they have forgotten the life of god his holy life that everything in him is holy with god love and forgiveness are not things of weakness or compromise he can only forgive sin as he he has dealt with it in his own manner and that is what he did on the cross so you know the the uh vicar who said to me recently i don't like the fact you preach on on the judgment of god I'm like, well, yeah, I do, because it's in the Bible. If you believe in the holiness of God, the love of God doesn't make sense unless you deal with the judgment of God, unless you deal with the fact that God is holy, we're sinful, we deserve punishment, and and Christ steps in. And, and then all of a sudden, once you understand that and you see Christ on the cross in your place, that is what leads to a changed heart because you recognise the, mm. my sin has been paid for now I want to be holy now now I'm able to by the power of the Holy Spirit living in me to be holy so I think that is really absolutely key and I'll just close by saying that that is a vessel for revival is someone who's concerned about holiness to start with there's a concern there and 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 looking at yourself and 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 a bit like Isaiah I, I'm undone I'm ruined and and then walking in holiness so there's a, a it's not just a I'm, I'm concerned about certain things in my life and I need to and I need to put them right but recognizing the process of sanctification is the Holy Spirit enabling us to walk forward into walking in holiness and walking in the light so going back to this this what I was reading from 1 John uh, 1 John 1 and it's that fellowship but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin you notice churches where if people aren't walking in the light there isn't true fellowship because people are kind of compromised and shady and they're not serious about holiness and this is where fellowship is it's not just you go to church with people and, and you'll have found this when you're in bigger churches that there are some people who, who they go to church but they're not really fussed about holiness um, if no. you're a student or something if you've been a student in a large city centre church you'll probably find at some point you're like well actually yeah they do go to church but you know they're not really taking this seriously so you try to find people who they are really serious about their walk with God because they want to walk in the light and you want to come alongside them and that's really what I'd say is at the heart of wanting to be a vessel in that sense yeah I think it's it's clear that basically uh, it's to do with 
being a vessel that is ready to be filled with the things of God, right? Um, Absolutely right. And repentance is is key to that. Confession of sin is key to that. Like when you're talking, I'm thinking about um, George Whitfield, um, thinking about the Holy Club. Um, you know, I read a, a great biography of um, Whitfield years back talking about his time down at Oxford University where he would um, meet together with uh, John Wesley and others, uh, come together and pray each week and they would confess their sins to one another. Yeah. Um, there was that like, and that's basically what we're talking about when we say walking in the light. It's it's actually stop hiding. Like, yeah, stop, right. stop, stop pretending, stop, you know, faking it. And, and be real and then it's only then when we can be real and we bring all that sin into the light um, you know yes before God in prayer but equally with someone you trust like with a brother or a sister in Christ who you can trust then we see the growth right that's when we see people yep. come into the light and then we have real Christian fellowship not just country club fellowship right oh save us and from so, country club fellowship <laughs> and Please i do Lord. i think a, a lot of um christians can actually live for a long time in churches without having true fellowship without having true christian fellowship because um they're, they're not they're walking in the dark they're coming to church but it's a mask it's it's not who they really are um the gospel isn't fully preached and so they're never brought to repentance they, they don't walk in the light it's just going to church is something they do to feel better about themselves it's to do with their own self-righteousness like at church just last week we were talking about the rich young ruler yeah. um in mark 10 and 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 saying how, you know, here's a guy, I don't think he's disingenuous. I don't think he's a wicked man. I just genuinely think he's spiritually blind. I think he's not yeah, born yeah. again. He's not regenerate. And so he's looking at himself, measuring up to the law and saying, well, I'm a good guy. I measure up to this. I'm not... Like a lot know, of people. Like a lot of people. I'm not like one of those, you know, those wicked people that we see down the market who's stealing. I'm not like that adulterous. I'm not, you know, I'm good. I'm a good guy, you know. And um, he's successful he's wealthy he's got a prominent position and so it seems he's going all he's got all this going for him jesus says one thing you lack one thing you lack go sell all you have give to the poor and come and follow me the one thing he lacked was jesus yeah and what pre what prevented him from getting to jesus was humility it was a, a recognition that he didn't measure up and that takes the holy spirit you know we, we're all born naturally spiritually blind and it's really only the holy spirit taking off those kind of lenses of self-righteousness and peeling back that layer of, of hardness giving us a new heart um, that enables us to repent that gives us that capacity to repent and to say Jesus I need you and so for me it's a big worry like when we see in churches these days the gospel is actually not cherished uh, the holiness of God isn't preached and so therefore you don't convict anybody of sin but the, no. the Bible says, yeah. John 16, that the Holy Spirit comes to convict of what? Of sin and unrighteousness, okay? So Amen. 
where the holiness of God isn't preached, there can be no conviction of sin. So what you have potentially is a whole church full of rich young rulers who are very content with their own righteousness, who they're running to Jesus's feet. Oh, yes, they're coming to church every Sunday. They're, they're getting down on their knees and they're saying, oh, Jesus, we love you, you know, uh, but they feel very content about their own righteousness. And so therefore they walk away unregenerate just like the rich young ruler unless the gospel's fully preached you have vessels that are full of their own self-righteousness and not of the true things of god And, and this is why we make such a point about finding a church where the gospel is cherished where yeah. the holiness of god is preached where the the sinfulness of mankind is given to you you're not it's not hidden from you um where repentance is something that's actually proclaimed from the pulpit it's not a dirty word you know um it's jesus said you know i he went around preaching repent for the kingdom of god is at hand you know um so i think that's really key Uh, we we have to first be coming as empty vessels and interestingly in that passage in mark in mark 10 um it's it's contrasted the story of the rich young ruler is preceded immediately by this story of of small children being brought to jesus and he blesses them so these little babies that can do nothing to commend themselves to him they leave with a blessing whereas this rich young ruler who's got it all going for him leaves without one and it shows how important it is to be an empty vessel to be coming to jesus with nothing to offer him but an open hand ready to receive all that he has to give us we've got to let go of our trust and faith in our own ability we've got to let go of this idea that we somehow put god in our debt like we you know oh we positioned our hearts in the correct way and therefore god must bless us and unfortunately that's exactly how many charismatic churches see revival today yeah they see it they see it in this lens of like hey we've positioned ourselves in just the right way and so god must bless us if revival is going to happen anywhere it's going to happen here because of us not because of god but because of us and so what's that it's the rich young ruler again coming and saying we're good god you need to bless us because we're good you know and that's the antithesis of what we see and it's very much it's very much i think this is the thing we've noticed as well particularly coming from the charismatic side of the church i think we've 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 seen this very much in the in the sung worship haven't we where you know there's there's longer times of sung worship there may be you know words and and prayers from the front and it's you know so there's a real vibe in the room there's a real hunger there but but actually this is day-to-day this is what god's concerned about is the day-to-day you know and, mm-hmm. and that all of us actually this is where it's difficult <laughs> this is where when you're driving your car and someone cuts you up you know let's see how <laughs> spiritual you yeah, really yeah. are let's and it's like where the real nitty-gritty that where you and i would just kind of share and say god i've had a bad day today because of you know the, yeah. the the real life let's just talk real life because anyone can put their hand up in oh, yeah, anyone can, oh, yeah, we all know how to put a hand up at the right point yeah. when it goes into the bridge section and the hands go up and that's not worship <laughs> dude that's not worship I'm sorry. It's not. It's not a living sacrifice. Yeah, you're you're in the moment, and that key change was awesome, you know. But no, this is this is a different thing altogether. Yeah, what we're is, talking it's, about. It's, it is, and it's like it takes it takes brokenness. Yeah, it takes brokenness, and unfortunately, brokenness is not prized in many churches today. Whereas it's something that is always honoured by the Lord. Yeah, right. It is. 
he, you know, he comes to bind up the brokenhearted, um, the, the poor, the contrite spirit, the poor in spirit, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. You know, there's this, this brokenness that is just such a special, holy thing of God um, coming to God empty and saying, crying out to God, we need you. We've got nothing to offer. Whereas unfortunately no. now it's like, it's not that way. It's not really prized no, brokenness. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it, it isn't. And I, th- I do think there's a, I love passionate worship. I love it. And yeah, we, we all have just such special memories of those times when we really sense God's presence and we just belting out the hymns or the songs or whatever it was we were singing. Like those are special times, but I do think there's a danger in it. In, in the sense that we can become so good at creating an atmosphere with music. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so it, isn't to, it. So as to mask the reality of whether the presence of God is really there. We can become a, a Laodicea in church, right? Very easily with yeah. that sort of technique. I watched a video the other day, a great singer-songwriter, is it Michael, Michael O'Dell or something like that, I forget his name, uh, a pianist, a pop singer, and it was a, a, a like a, a reel of one of his concerts and he's playing the piano, singing this song, and the, you can't hear him because the fans are like screaming out the words, <sighs> like singing with yeah, her, yeah. So, singing with him and it's so emotionally charged. And I'm like, dude, like, this feels like any energetic Hillsong worship service. Yeah. yeah, it's almost impossible to tell if this is a pop concert or worship. Um, and in most churches, they'd be like, "Wow, this is fire!" Well, I'm just receiving. And actually, what they're having is a reaction to the pop music. They're having an emotional reaction to the pop music. I love live yeah. music. I love live music. But I, I watch Coldplay videos from there tour a few years back and people are there with their hands raised people are like well this this day changed my life right look there's a really fine line between (laughs) that and what we see replicated in many churches on a sunday and if we aren't careful we go away thinking we had an encounter with god when really what happened was our emotions got stirred by a nice song um and we confused that with an encounter so yeah i think yeah this this idea of taking it down to the level of like <laughs> we need to be a a vessel that is empty coming to yeah. god needing him being like lord i'm not going to leave here without your blessing and i pour out i f- i ask forgiveness for all of my sins and jesus i cling to you just like those babies came they got nothing to offer him yeah so the, right. the open hand of faith receives the things of god you know um so i think you know you were going to mention second corinthians i think as well weren't you but yeah so actually, yeah yeah leading very nicely into that so when we look at two corinthians four and before we look at um the the key part that we all know so well the treasure in jars of clay but it, it starts off with the light of the gospel doesn't it it, it talks mm. about um therefore having this ministry by the mercy of god we do not lose heart but have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with god's word but by the open statement of the truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conf- conscience in the sight of god it goes on verse six for say for god who said let light shine out of the darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so this is the gospel this is the light of truth that we have in our in our hearts that that changes and transforms us by the holy spirit and then he goes on to say those those famous words in in verse seven but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to god 
and not us. And then in verse eight, which I think just speaks to so many of us in the in mm. these times, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And mm. really that this is the, this, these jars of clay this is really we're, we're empty earthen vessels we are weak and yet what what is in us is the treasure of of christ that the cross of christ and and i think as i said at the beginning there is a when we're emptied of ourselves all of our earthly desires our ambition our pride our ego the desire for affirmation which we all have uh yeah. c.s lewis the writer once taught spoke about this uh universal human desire to be included and accepted and this kind of yes, mis- so true. yeah that mysterious kind of <laughs> kind of desire to to belong to what he called the inner circle it's a sort of yeah, the idea yeah, of yeah. you know so being on, yeah being on the inside side and and particularly when for those of us who and I remember when I was at school that whole thing of wanting to be with the with the in crowd yeah, and then yeah, you know yeah. when, it, when it was uh, once I got into music and I know you're in a band or whatever you're the one on the stage performing you kind of feel like you're kind of in you're kind of in the inner circle you've made it yeah. you've made it or if, if you're if you're you know if you're a Christian or whatever you think that if you're on the leadership team you're on the inner circle you've made it. so there's this yeah. desire all the time to be on that in that inner circle that inner ring but and that's the kind of earthly kind of desire but but actually the real desire is actually to belong and to be adopted by christ isn't it to to belong to the lord that's really that that's uh void or that longing in our hearts is to belong to him so yeah to actually recognize that 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 the emptiness that everybody has this emptiness that kind of uh, that the philosophers wrestle with don't they philosophers will talk about uh, you know the kind of uh, the empty void the longing the boredom the kind of sickness whatever yeah. of the heart the that sort of that thing that's lacking but actually as christians we've had that filled by christ and so we're no longer this kind of uh if you like a vessel full of all the things that we've tried to build up in this world and we know how people try to build an identity don't they so they try to pick a particular career or, or a path in what in life and and make something it's almost like you're filling that pot that vessel up with different things in, yeah. in life you know that you've succeeded so you're gathering and putting stuff in the vessel that, that that's what makes you you um and if you say what makes you you and you and it suddenly becomes well these are my friends this is where i live this is the music i like this is the job i do this is the and and you're and you are essentially defined by all these external things but actually as Christians we've emptied ourselves of all of that and now we are filled with this wonderful truth and we're filled with Christ and his spirit so being that that empty vessel is to start with having Christ but I think on, on top of that there is a emptying humbling process that all of us go through as Christians and I think also particularly if you're in le- leadership as we are I think we get it probably a bit worse sometimes <laughs> because yeah. you know you're, it's more I suppose more of a public role you know when things go wrong it's a bit more public and you make mistakes yeah. it's more public isn't it so but for all of us as true Christians there's going to be an emptying and a humbling because unfortunately the truth is we're not completely empty, are we? We do have bits and things that we hang on to, don't we? In that vessel, and the things Absolutely. that are still actually, this is this this is kind of Gareth. This is, and I like this, so I'll kind of hang on to that. Or you know, there's isn't it? There those things that we sort of hang on to, but actually, that there's a call to 
to completely empty ourselves and God will often go deep into the vessel and say well actually you haven't this hasn't been removed this hasn't been taken out uh, so that we can be completely used and I love it when the apostle Paul says a bit later on in 2, two Corinthians 12 verse 10 he says for for I am for when I am weak I'm strong mm. when I'm weak I'm strong I think there's something in being humbled and it's funny how in modern English, we kind of, uh, it's almost like we differentiate between humbled and humiliated, when actually they're, I think they're the same thing, really, particularly in From Greek. the same root. Yeah, it's, the same, yeah. it's the same root word in Greek, isn't That's it? Right. So a humiliation yeah. is actually a good thing, because if, if you go through something humiliating, you actually find that it's good medicine in the long term. It doesn't feel like it so at the good. time, does it? But when you're no. humiliated, and we know what that feels like, it's sort of like a deflating. Yeah. But actually, in hindsight, it was it, it was a, a real beneficial humiliation at the time because, again, it's the emptying, it's the being brought low, uh, yeah. and and making much of Christ. And you know, if if you're already on the floor, <laughs> you know, then, yeah. then then there's nothing of you left. And actually, Christ, as as Peter says in his epistle, God will exalt us in due time in the right way to use us to His glory. So I think there's this is something for encouragement of someone who's listening to this and just feels really flattened. Well, actually, if you feel really flattened, God is doing something special because I, I believe a vessel for revival is going to be someone who's humble. And to be yeah. honest, you don't really get to be humble unless you've been humble humbled and humiliated that's the thing at least i've learned this right. in my life and depending on how proud you are how proud you are as a person some people need more humbling than others some people are just naturally yeah. more humble and they're just like that and i know lots of people who just think i wish i was like them because they're just so just so humble and gracious whereas i know that that's been a struggle for me over the years i think it's you know my family there's a bit of pride in my on my dad's side of the family so god has to sort of get to work on bringing us low so an empty humble vessel where it's been emptied can be used by god this is so true there's so much to say on that because you know like you say a vessel of revival is a humble vessel a humble vessel and humiliation in life can lead to humility yeah but if we reject if we reject any experience where we are humbled then we actually don't receive what God is wanting to do in our lives. Like, if we, I think when we realize, like the Puritans did, like the Reformers did, like the New Testament writers yeah. did, that God, God is sovereign, right? That he works all things according to the counsel of his will, uh, Ephesians 1.11, that, that basically he's going to make sure that you as a Christian get exactly what you need. You'll get the right medicine at the right yeah. time in your life to accomplish the right ends god is doing that but guess what it wouldn't be the medicine that you would take no not right? at all and that's and when we understand god's sovereignty over our lives that you know he's working all things together for good for our good right and then that means even these bitter seasons of humiliation where we are let's say rejected from an inner circle somewhere yeah somewhere that gave us so much joy and 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 sort of peace of mind that we finally made it with somebody and then we get rejected from that or we we you know the thing that we've been building for many years whether it be a business or whatever it falls apart 
and everybody looks at us and we become like a byword like joe yeah, you know definitely. um and we would naturally just reject those things wouldn't we We'd be saying no that cannot be god's will you know it can't be god's will for me to fail in this area of my life it can't be god's um good and sovereign will for me to be rejected or be disliked by these people um but actually it actually is <laughs> it's yeah, the medicine he's giving you to make you humble and um and I think, sadly, in churches where the sovereignty of God is diminished, where God is reduced to being a genie uh, in a bottle who you have to rub the right way, right? Where, you know, I've been in a church yeah. before where they've, they've literally said, you know, God is your good, good father. He will never let anything bad happen to you. He never wants anything challenging or bad or painful to happen to you. So if there is something bad or painful happening to you, it's not God. It's got nothing to do with him. Wow. Right. I know what they were trying to say, but unfortunately what you end up thinking as a Christian is, you know, if I go through a season of, of humbling, it's actually nothing to do with God. And so I should reject it. I should say, no, I'm the head, not the tail. You know, I, I, I do not, you know, I will not be humbled. I believe that God wants me to be a world leader in in whatever yeah. and and always prosperous and always influential and always liked we actually begin to kick against what god's trying to do and not allowing him to bring that humility and yeah i i think there's there's so much to that and i do think naturally speaking all of us struggle with pride yeah like i definitely struggle with pride and i think those who are the most dangerous in the church right now are those who say i'm humble yeah I'm a humble sure. guy, right? You know, I just do this in humility. And you're like, if you, it's like C.S. Lewis said, it's like <laughs> the most prideful thing you can say is that you're humble. Yeah, it's, it, it's <laughs> true, you, isn't it? You've beaten, oh, I've beaten pride. That's pride, you know? So uh, it, it's kind of like submitting to God on that and saying, actually, yeah, like, Lord, I want to be a vessel of revival, so I'm I'm willing to be humbled. I'm willing to be humiliated. I'm actually willing to be seen as silly or foolish or weird in people's eyes in order to pursue you. Yeah, I think that's so true. I only think I would say in experience of life, one of the ways you can tell that you've been humbled is where you sort of feel like you you don't have anything left to say. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like you just want to sit in silence for a very long time uh, you know the, yeah. it's like you've run out of things to say you're like actually I, I've, I've 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 started to understand things and it's always when you look back as well and I th you know, the, the more you, you become sanctified as well you just look back on yourself just even 10 years ago and you just and you shudder you think oh god you wince don't you you wince and, yeah. it, and i think everybody has that in, in some to some degree but the more you're growing more like Christ, the more you, and, and you're dissatisfied with yourself as well. Like a lot of the time, like not in a way that, you know, that in a negative way, but you look at things, you think, no, I've got to, I've got to change. That's not right. And that's not right. Mm. And, and even if you catch yourself thinking, no, I'm doing pretty good. Well, that's not right. So there is yeah. without, without being legalistic about it, there is a, a desire to be humble because, because then of course a humble vessel is then an obedient vessel, which kind of leads on what we're uh, going to look at next, which is, you know having been humbled we're now ready to do what god wants us to do because actually if there's a bit of pride in there 
you know, I'm going to be like Jonah, aren't I? I'm going to say, well, actually, no, I'm not going to go and do that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to go to Nineveh. I, I think I know where I'd like to go. And and I, and I know in, in my own ministry, and I'll just, you know, hold my hand up and say, at the beginning of my ministry, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And when I got sent to the parish I was sent to, I was so angry <laughs> for years. I was like, probably the first two years, I was just sulking. because so I'm like, but this isn't what I wanted to do. And yeah. I got to say, well, I've sent you somewhere, but you don't actually really want to, you know, really minister there properly because it wasn't what you wanted. And and this is the thing that, I, I, you know, full of pride, full of, well, my friends are in mm. these these really big, shiny churches and I'm not, and that's not fair and blah, blah, blah. That's me being brutally honest. But that is yeah. where a, a a prideful vessel, it just mm. will not be obedient because it has its own agenda. But when we're empty, then we can be, Obedience. So I just want to kind of to wanted to uh, look. I mean, I could pick any passage really, but I just particularly was drawn to uh, two Chronicles chapter twenty nine, mm. and we see this wonderful example of of Hezekiah being willing to to be obedient to God and to cleanse the temple, and we see how he says. It says that, you know, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east. And he said to them, hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done what is evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs. And he goes on to explain all the, the dreadful things that have happened. And I kind of want to just uh, draw to attention. Obviously, there's the, the call in verse 5 to consecrate yourselves. And then going down 10 verses to verse 15, it then says, it gives a list of names of the Levites. And it says, they gathered their brothers and consecrate themselves and went in as the king had commanded so that they're obedient. They do exactly mm. what is commanded. And then it, in verse 16, it goes on to say, after they go to cleanse the house of the Lord. It says the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And they brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord, in the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it and carried it out to the brook Kidron. So what they did was they they consecrate themselves first they they made themselves right and then they went got all of the all the idolatrous things and they threw them out and, and there's a clear obedience where god has has called them and, and they've been they've been led through through um, yeah. the king and, and and hezekiah has told them what to do and they've been obedient and done it and i think that is something that a, a humble a humble vessel is is willing to listen and a humble vessel will hear the command and go and do it how often do we see like with king saul where he didn't do what mm. he was supposed to do and he offered the sacrifice he wasn't supposed to he didn't want to wait for samuel who's impatient and i think that is seen in in the action of a person the reaction of someone who is who is a, who is empty and humble they will be obedient as well yeah Absolutely, I, you know, reminded again of uh, Paul's 
words in in Romans 12. uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And again, you know, Jesus' challenges to his disciples where he says, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments, you know. And this is the same message that we read right through First John as well that you quoted earlier. There's a constant connection with, with fellowship with God and fellowship with the apostolic faith and obedience to the commandments of the gospel, to the commandments of Christ. Um, and when we reject those and we say, actually, you know, I, I'm going to live... Uh, I'm going to live a bit for God yeah. and I'm going to live a bit for me um, or I'm going to live for God, but in a way that like feels good. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going yeah. yeah. you know, to inconvenience myself too much. I'm not going to do anything that causes me too much discomfort. Um, yeah. We, we're showing that we haven't really yet understood what it means to love God or to love Christ. Um, we are to, to obey as well to be obedient to his commandments uh to uh to love his commandments you know psalm 119 shows us what a vessel of revival talks like you know um it it it, it's a whole psalm packed full of the love of god's commandments of of god's law and um and i think that's that's one of the things that i I think really is a matter of it's a matter of us coming as vessels like paul says in romans 12 into the presence of god presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice offering all that we are and saying god i'm i'm willing to have my mind completely transformed by you i'm willing to have my my understandings um changed on what my life is supposed to be like um you know and i'm gonna read your law i'm going to read what you say and i'm going to love it and i'm going to be obedient to it and if you're a pastor i'm going to preach it i'm going to say this with authority and not hide you know and i think there's such a lack sadly of of obedient vessels in the church today i think this is the reason why we are not seeing revival yeah many say they want revival they're unwilling to be obedient to god's commands uh in particular his commands around human sexuality where we pretend that this is a a complex issue when it's quite clearly not in scripture uh we we do the merry dance around it and talk about you know let's uh (laughs) let's agree to disagree or whatever and it's like well actually no this is a command of god that we're supposed to love and to preach and uh if we're unwilling to do those things then we cannot really expect a revival a move of god that's absolutely right and i think this is this is one of the concerns in in modern times isn't it that there's a a lack of being fully obedient to the word of god and you you know that picking and choosing isn't it there's a picking and choosing of what we want to be obedient to and and that is where everything goes wrong once we start being picky about what we how we want to obey god and not being completely obedient that 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 opens up all kinds of problems doesn't it absolutely yeah i mean this is this is uh what augustine warned against isn't it it's like if we pick and choose what we believe in the gospel then it's not it's not god who we worship but it's ourselves we have decided i think i've butchered that quote a little bit but it's words to those effects um we are making ourselves god 
in order to you know we're picking the scriptures apart and saying well I, yeah I, I like that um you know i don't like that i'll throw that out or i'll you know i won't teach on that i won't preach on that or i won't believe that well actually you've made yourself into god and you've made yourself the authority over god's word and you've made god subordinate to yourself and um therefore you're not worshiping the god of the bible you're worshiping yourself or an idol of culture and so yeah i think there's a a definite call for us to be obedient vessels to the commandments of god i think as a church in general we need to return to loving the scripture again and all of the scripture and um there are many now that are doing that there are many that we see who do love the word of god but you can't obey god's commandments if you don't know them you know you can't love god's commandments if you don't take time to read them and meditate on them um and so i think there is a call for us to be biblically literate again uh, as a church yeah, certainly uh, and to love the old testament as well as the new you know i've had fun conversations with people where they'll say oh you know can we not can we not do so much of the old testament it's very gloomy oh, yeah. and you're sort <laughs> of like well, yeah. light and fluffy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and um you know said in jest but it's kind of like yeah but we need to know it we need to uh, how can we love the god we profess to worship if we don't love his word in its entirety um so i think an obedient vessel is also a vessel who loves the word of god um yeah and bring yeah. and those listen i tell you what there's been lots of stuff over the years that i've had to change my mind on as a christian i've brought a lot of views on things to the bible that weren't actually christian views you know yeah. i used to be i used to be pro-abortion yeah i'm now anti-abortion i used to be um i used to be very kind of standoffish and undecided and vague on same-sex sexual relationships and now i'm i'm not and those things were hard to make my mind upon because they put me at odds with friends they put me at odds with culture and they were difficult things to change my mind on and be vocal sure. on but i had to i didn't have another choice because they were clear to me as being god's commandments and so yeah. how can how can i be ashamed of those things which i profess to love you know so um, you have to be prepared to let go of cherished views about things or you have to be prepared to let go of your own reputation when you become an obedient vessel absolutely right and i think that is that's kind of like as we sort of move towards the the kind of last part of that to the a vessel filled with the holy spirit and uh mm. i i love this this first uh, a couple of verses i want to read or passages but the first kind of read from ephesians 5 verse 18 and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit so in that that real call to be filled with the spirit not earthly things um and I, I, that's the first thing that we, we are filled with the spirit and we we have the fruits of the spirit in Galatians we, we but also we are empowered by the spirit in ministry and I think the the verse I wanted to kind of or the passage I want to look at uh, briefly as well is 
in our last part of this podcast is in Acts chapter 2 obviously that famous mm. uh, day of Pentecost and seeing how I love for me personally I, I Peter's my favourite disciple um, yeah. I relate to him in, in a number of different ways I think the thing I love about him is the fact he just opens his mouth and just says stupid things and that's <laughs> what I do regularly and I'm, not so much now thankfully I think God, I'm, you know, I'm becoming more sensible and mature but I just love the way Peter is just opens his mouth you know and and says stupid things, makes promises. He's got he's got all he's got all things to say for himself, and and we see how it goes so badly wrong uh, when when he he denies Christ and it's and, yeah. and you realise it's Jesus says in Matthew twenty six he says the heart is willing but the flesh is weak. He's saying like you don't try and do this in your own strength, and mm. that's what Peter did, didn't he? he? Tried to do it in his own strength. He said mm. no, no, I'll follow you, I'll be obedient to you, but he was doing yeah. it in his own strength. And how often we do things on our own strength. And, and we're just oh, yeah. bitterly disappointed, aren't we? And and yet here's this same Peter who was brought about as low as you could get. Judas only managed to go one one worse, but it got about as low as you could get. And yet he's reinstated. And there he is on the day of Pentecost, preaches the sermon that kicks it all off. And and the thing that I, I really, really love about this is as he stands up and the way he preaches, he's so filled with the Holy Spirit and he, he preaches and it says that they were all cut to the hearts, doesn't it? He said mm. that he, he preached and, and men of Israel, uh, and he calls them to repentance and it says of them, now let this is let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified, he doesn't mince his words, does he? You wouldn't hear that on many many no. churches nowadays, would you? But he doesn't mince his word. And then it says, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, "What must yeah. we do?" And Peter says, "Repent and be baptized." And then we see about three thousand of them added on that day. And it's just I find that just. I mean, I know we, we're so familiar with it, but it, I, it never ceases to move me. The the power in that message, the you know, the conviction. You feel convicted just reading it again and again. The conviction and power of the Spirit is there, and it's like when the Holy Spirit comes, He turns the lights on, doesn't He? And it's like there's yeah. Peter, just this 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 you know fisherman, this you know this failed disciple, if you like, and yet here he is reinstated and not just reinstated but completely anointed and empowered by the holy spirit to give this most wonderful of sermon and of course let's not forget his two wonderful epistles that have been of such benefit to the church mm. you know for the last 2000 years and I think that, that a vessel has to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A vessel has to have the power that comes from God. And I think this is this for all of us in our lives and our witnesses. And I think just for all of us as we go about our day-to-day -day life, we need to have a confidence that comes from God and a conviction to share our story, our testimony, the gospel, get into conversations with people and and to be, be openly speaking out the, the gospel. But also for ministers, and I don't say this with any you know intention to criticize because i've been in that same boat where i've i've often you know particularly earlier on in, in my ministry in quite a few years get up and preach and just felt like i've put a lot of effort into that and yet somehow it fell flat and and you realize it does you can put your you can 
put your best foot forward as a preacher and then just feel like I've, I've worked so hard on this message and yet it just kind of fell flat. It just didn't have, yeah. you know, it just didn't pierce somehow. You just didn't, it just yeah. didn't land. Or I don't know how to describe it. You come away thinking, I just yeah. didn't land. Yeah. Of course, of course there's power in the word and, and it would minister to mm. some people. But when the Holy Spirit is really empowering you, you know that when the wind of the Spirit just, just you know, as a preacher, when the wind of the Spirit just gets hold of you and just, and the words just, you know, are coming out of you and there's a power in what you're saying because you, it's it's hard to describe. I know you you would know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's a preacher listening yeah, to this, absolutely. when the Holy Spirit yeah. gets hold of you, it's like you, you're just a vessel for the power of God. And I think that this is more and more now what we need particularly in the church now, particularly for those who are leading and preaching and ministering, is to minister under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Those who are leading mm. from the front, those who are preaching, those who are taking the lead in ministry to to be very much ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that yeah. the preaching comes from a place where that you're preaching the Word of God. And, and by the way, this isn't just a charismatic thing. Like I know Spurgeon would have done it. You just have to read his notes. You can see it. But if you listen to Lloyd-Jones, Dr. Mike Lloyd-Jones preaching, it's almost like you hear about 20 minutes in, it's like the boiler comes on, you know, and you can just yeah. hear the Holy Spirit get a hold of him as he preaches. And, you know, this isn't about, you know, whether you're charismatic or, or you know, conservative or anything like that. You can just tell when that the Holy Spirit is is there anointing the ministry. And I think this is what we need. We need more Holy Spirit anointed ministry in, in, the, in the very purest form of word and spirit, where the word of God, as Peter on Pentecost, he is teaching scripture. He is yeah. he's explaining biblical things, but under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where I think we need this uh, back in the church again. We need preachers who are preaching with such an urgency and conviction, the truth, the word of God, but under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, I like, <laughs> just to add as well, you know, Acts 1 verse 8 says but you will receive power when yes. the Holy Spirit has come upon you you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and and so the Holy Spirit is power um, in our lives is power in our um, evangelism is power in our witnessing and you know where was the power of the Holy Spirit evident on Pentecost well in signs and wonders but for most people it was evident in the proclamation of the gospel you yeah. know that that was where it really hit the road was people got born again um people heard the gospel being preached under the power of the holy spirit and they got saved and so that's the power of the holy spirit don't get it mixed up don't get it confused you know so many no. today say oh yes i'm under a holy spirit anointed ministry you know the pastor rolls around on the floor on sundays and barks like a dog um <laughs> that's not holy spirit ministry <laughs> no. right it doesn't say <laughs> not, not at you all. will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to get full emotional breakthrough. No, it doesn't. Right? Now, I believe that God can heal your emotions, right? But a revival, a true revival of God must have the proclamation of the gospel. It must have evangelism. It must have souls saved. Otherwise, yeah. it's not a revival. And so no, the power of the Holy not. Spirit it looks like the proclamation of the truth of the gospel it looks like people coming to christ and whether you're sharing the gospel from a pulpit or whether you're sharing it on your social media it doesn't matter the mode but it's something we want to just look to god on for the power of the holy spirit to fill that um like you know like gareth shared you know we can have our sail up 
so to speak. We can be putting our best foot forward. We can be um, having conversations with people about Christ. We could be uh, even a pastor preaching on Sundays. But unless the wind of the Spirit fills that word, you know, it it it, it doesn't seem to really. Uh, give us much speed or, or momentum yeah. and so we want to be praying really for the holy spirit to fill us um really just digging in in prayer lord i want a fresh touch of your holy spirit i want to be filled i want my ministry to be imbued with power from on high you oh, know I, I, and so it's god that gives the increase isn't it not us and so that's what we want to pray and and that's what we want to believe in is a is a a vessel that is filled with his holy spirit amen amen and that's absolutely right and i think that is you know, kind of kind of summarize you know that that we want to be vessels that are concerned about holiness that we want to confess sin and we want to be changing and being transformed to be more like christ and mm. as we're being refined and god is at work changing us and convicting us and actually when you're when you're walking closely with god you'll be convicted of things all the time won't you throughout yeah, the day the you time. just all the time you know certain points in the day you feel convicted and you need to confess certain things but that's healthy so we're concerned about holiness and we're being emptied you know god is emptying us of all those things that that are not of him and and emptying us in order that we're useful because all the time that we've got our things in our vessel is actually taking up room that that god could pour something that's infinitely more powerful into us and so much mm. better than when what we're trying to hang on to and and the need to be totally emptied and humbled and that we would be obedient you know because god sends the call his people he will send the call if you're a minister you have to be prepared for what god wants to do with you and for any of us at any point in our life we have to be open to what does god want to do and i wonder if there's a word yeah. here somewhere about someone who you know, i see this quite a bit but i just feel there is something in i think there are a lot of people in the church who would be wonderful in ministry god could use them but they feel they've got too much to give up maybe they've got yeah. a good job maybe they've got a nice house maybe you know things are going well in that sense and there's a sacrifice that they it just feels it's too big a sacrifice to give up all that they've got in order to serve god and yet what a reward there is what an infinite reward in actually being obedient so i don't know Amen. if someone's, li- someone's listening to this podcast or you know someone who you think this is just i know exactly who he's talking about because i don't know who i'm talking about by the way yeah. i'm just saying this in case it lands somewhere but i just think there's something of there are people out there who god wants to use and and has got a call on their lives but they just aren't happy about giving it up they're not happy about giving up certain things and but if we're willing to be obedient and willing to say do you know what i will drop everything just like abraham you know right i want you to pack up and go to a a land that i'm calling you to that we're being obedient we're willing to go to that place and when we're obedient god will use us and god will fill us with his spirit and we want to be people who are filled with the holy spirit are used by god and are available for god in prayer and in ministry and in witness in our lives I just think in this day and age, what a wonderful opportunity we've got to reach people for Christ. I mean, we look at the way things are going in the world. We look at, you know, I was just thinking about how badly things are going wrong in politics and everyone's talking about what a mess the government are making. Yeah, okay, they're making a mess. But do you know what? Nobody ever stops and goes, yeah, but actually I'm making a real mess of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody really does that, do they? It's also like, oh, the government, it's the government making a mess. I was in church on Sunday, in a little church on Sunday, and the pastor there, he was preaching 
he did two parts on uh, Genesis 3, preached two weeks in a row on Genesis 3, really powerful stuff. And, and he raised the point that, the, the whole point about Adam and Eve passing the blame, but something he pointed out, which I'd kind of forgotten completely about, was how not only does Adam pass the blame onto Eve, but he tries to blame God for creating Eve. Yeah, yeah, and he does. He's, he's kind of, he tries to say, well, if you hadn't this made woman this, you gave me. this woman yeah. you gave me, I was fine until you brought her along. It's the actual point, you've got the audacity, sin is the audacity that you'd actually blame yeah. God for the sin you know mm. and, and I, th- I think this is this is a thing where the, the fact we're seeing in a nation you know the government are just an easy target because to be honest yeah. with you they you know they they can't really win anyway but you know they're making a meal of it we know but the point is it kind of that isn't the main point the, the point is it's easy to criticize the easy target but not so easy to say, yeah, well, they may be making a mess running the country, but how am I doing actually running my family, running my life, doing things in my own life? I'm not actually doing such a great job because all of us yeah. have got areas in our lives that we need to sort out. And I think there's something about where in this in this time that people are looking around and thinking the world's a mess. And you want to go, yeah, but why don't you stop looking out, look in, look at your state, your own heart, yeah. and realize, actually, I need a savior. I need the Lord. Yeah. And I think this, there's such a wonderful opportunity for revival where I think people are open and more open than you realize because people have been looking for saviors in all kinds of things. And the fact that the, the one main way people look for a savior is in politics and in those leading the country and how to make my life better. Well, those people who are supposed to be making your life more enjoyable, are, you know, making it more complicated and difficult. What's that tell you about, you know, your need and, and my need for the one who who can lead us into into eternal life amen amen i'm gonna just cap off some of of uh, what gareth has just shared there as he was reading that i thought of uh, psalm 110 verse 3 thy thy people will be willing in the day of thy power that's the king james oh, version oh there. i just, love that i love yeah, that and uh just uh, a quote from tozer from his book uh, out of a rut and into revival it's possible to have a vessel that is youth useful without being beautiful the old cream crocks in our spring house on the farm were useful all right you could pour milk in them wait for the cream to rise and skim it off they were not beautiful but they were quite useful and everybody has in their homes some beautiful little knickknacks. They're utterly useless simply to be enjoyed for their beauty. Yeah. But God wants his vessels to be both useful and beautiful. If God is going to make those kinds of vessels out of us, however, we are going to have to yield to the law of surrender. Give yourself to God as a living sacrifice and let him have you, all of you. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that yeah well listen guys thanks for listening in we've uh we've uh, really enjoyed this series on revival we hope it's been a benefit to you also and um please as ever if you've been blessed by what we've shared do share the podcast do give us a, a little uh, review on itunes or wherever you get your podcast from it helps to get the word out and um yeah we we pray that those listening into this can become more holy vessels uh, vessels that, that are obedient vessels that are humble vessels that are spirit filled with power and that we would see bit by bit the church and this nation come into revival thanks for listening take care god bless god bless bye-bye